Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, and the rest of the team of Lucasfilm have been dreaming up for us for the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the one and only Dan Z. We're recording this on Wednesday, January 8th, 2020, a day that's kind of significant, at least here at the Hill House, because this afternoon, Nancy and I finally got around to seeing Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. I'm so glad. I'm so yeah. glad. I like that. I, I never I, thought of it as the Hill House. Sounds like a haunted house. Well, it's that, that's it, actually the, the down at the road. We literally that the sign says Stadler Hill, and you know that the, the interesting thing is that there's a lot of people who come up the driveway because because they think it's a street name rather than a house name. Sure, but. Um, but anyway, so again, again, I'm really, I am kind of embarrassed that it took almost three weeks. And in fact, since you saw it at the premiere, it's been a full three weeks since you've seen this thing. And yeah. how, how many times have you seen it now? It's still four. Yeah. Four. Okay. Yeah. Cause I do feel like I really have to go back and not just because I fell asleep for about five minutes in the whole Zori bliss section, but oh, we'll, we'll get that, to that. That's probably a good place to fall asleep if you're going to oh. fall asleep. Jeez. I don't mean as a pejorative, but that, I mean, if you had to pick one section, that might be it. Okay. Well, <laughs> somehow I don't think that's going to be the pull quote for the box, Dan. But Probably not. You know, probably not. Um, but, but tell you what, folks, Dan and I will finally discuss in depth uh, The Rise of Skywalker in the second half of today's show. Uh, just a warning, though, folks, that there will be spoilers. But uh, before that, uh, Dan, let's get to the news. So... I have to ask, did you see the tweet that uh, John Kazdan put out on Monday? Uh, was it with the picture? With the picture. I sure did. Okay, so we've been talking about this for a while. The, the Willow... Now, again, i got to caution, folks, that, that this is not saying that Disney Plus is actually making a Willow limited series. Uh, what's happening here is they're going to shoot the pilot. And based on the strength of the pilot, uh, you know, again, it's going to get shown to Disney, both Disney corporate, as well as uh, the folks over at, uh, you know, again, the new subscription service. And if it's strong enough, uh, it will then uh, evidently it's it's kind of the Mandalorian business plan. It's it's going to be six to eight episodes and with the hope that, you know, <laughs> again, you know, uh, Alora Dannon, was that the name of the baby? You know, so, there, you know, there's already a tradition now, you know, that there was a baby in Willow. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I don't think Baby Yoda can show up in this one, though. Probably not. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's, it's at least a go at this point. And, you know, and again, you, Dan, we talked about this previously. You got to see it. In theaters, or did you have to wait for VHS? What? When did no, you see I, I saw Willow in theaters, and it is mm -hmm. the first and only time I've seen the movie. So it's mm -hmm. been a it's been a hot minute or two. Okay, okay. Um, I and if it's if it's up to me, you know, the the one thing I'd really love to see John fold into this thing is the return of I think the characters' name are Rule and. Frangin, they're the brownies that that Kevin Pollock and Rick Overton played in the the, the film, uh, and 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 Kevin's out there. I mean, Kevin uh, is actually part of the ensemble of the marvelous Miss Maisel. Mrs. Maisel, that's right. Which is, for my money, the absolute 
best show on TV and anywhere. That's it is pretty amazing. I get just a, you know, as a fan of 60s stand up, um, and in fact, that, that that for me is half the charm of the show is how hard and how well they depict, you know, how life is in the early uh, 1960s or thereabouts. Sure. Uh, no, it, it, it it's great, great fun. And in fact, didn't that just get picked up for season four as well? It or? sure did. It sure did. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on now. Uh, now, Dan, again, every time I'm talking to you, you're either getting on a plane or getting off a plane. I know. Now, are are you going to the, the the Rise of the Resistance opening at Disneyland uh, later this uh, month? I am not. I got invited, and mm-hmm. despite what Drew Taylor says, I got invited to the one in Florida too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of my day job, I can't. It's harder for me to go away unless it's oh, no, during no, no, the summer that. or, Christ- I do. I or do. Uh, Christmas. But no, I, I am not. I wish I was. Well, and and uh, for those of you who haven't heard that, that's the uh, the anti version of Rise of the Resistance. Is opening on January 17th. And let's face it, Dan, we've actually talked about this in the show. Um, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, when it opened in Anaheim uh, back on, on May 31st, had kind of a weird summer. Uh, and, 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 you know, if you talk with folks in themed entertainment, uh, they lay the blame for this largely at the feet of the Disneyland Resort, which, remember, spent all of that time talking about how they're making changes to the park because there were going to be these giant crowds. and uh, in, in effect, they scared a lot of people away. They didn't come out for the first summer. And But the interesting thing with the rise of the resistance opening uh, in, what, just nine days? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they get a chance, uh, you know, the, the, this the rare upon rare thing, a a second chance to make a first impression. Um, and so, what Disneyland's decided to do to completely bury the needle in the other direction, you know, there won't be any pictures of an empty Black Spire outpost because Disney has just announced this ticket offer, uh, where it's what is it? You have to buy. It's a three day ticket. Uh, and it's a one park per day. So, you know, you have to commit to whether or not you're going to Disneyland Park or California Adventure. But, Dan, it's $67 a day. Um, and that, you know, especially if you're, you're bringing kids three to nine to the park, that's $100 savings. That's amazing. That is, yeah. that is amazing. Well, <laughs> more to the point, that virtually guarantees that uh, come the 17th or the weekend to the 18th or the 19th, you know, they're, <laughs> the, 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 the Internet is going to be flooded with these photos of, of you know, uh, lines that go all the way down to Knott's Berry Farm. You know, just that, that, you know, that many people trying to get into the park to take advantage and not only to ride this amazing new attraction, uh, but also, you know, to take advantage of this, this, this very incredibly low ticket price to get into the Disneyland Park. Um, by the way, I, I guess I should mention, I was talking with, uh, both Len about it and as well as some park insiders and they really, they, I mean, they've had a couple of bad days. I won't lie to you, uh, about the rise of the resistance in Florida, but, um, but overall they're, they're, the numbers are ramping up. They're getting more and more boarding groups, uh, in per day. Uh, you know, the, the, the ride has 
they've gotten to a point where they've kind of stabilized it. Um, it's still something of a science project because it is so ridiculously ambitious. Um, but yeah, but the interesting thing is that everything they've learned in Orlando, they're they're passing along the pipeline to Anaheim. So the hope is that you know when the Anaheim version runs, it'll be that much smoother than the version that it opened it did Disney's Hollywood Studios back on what was that December fifth. Sounds right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, again, good news. Good news for the West Coast because I, that park deserves to be oversaturated with people because this is uh, one of the most amazing things you can experience in any theme park. Well, that's that. that that's what I I keep hearing that it, it is, you know, the most amazing attraction. And again, looking forward to getting down and experiencing it myself later this winter in Orlando. But well, you honestly well, aren't going to ever hear anyone come off that attraction for the first time and go, "Oh, it was okay." That's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. <laughs> okay. You know, somebody's going to take that bet. Now, you know, mind you, they'll, they'll have to put on a blindfold and wear earplugs. They'll you be know, dishonest. But, yeah, it's, it's amazing. There we go. You know, so. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, switching now to the publishing side of things. Um, okay, Dan, I think we talked about this, that, that back in February of last year, Dark Horse and Lucasfilm announced that they were going to be publishing The Art of Star Wars Rebels. Um, this is a book that was going to be, it did be written by Dan Wallace. A uh, 208-page hardcover featuring exclusive commentary by Dave Filoni, Simon Kinberg, and Carrie Beck. And I know you and I, because we both loved this show, immediately put this on, you know, our, okay, got to get that. Yes. And... Um, it was originally supposed to hit store shelves on October 1st of last year. Then quietly, like, like literally like a week or two before it was supposed to actually hit store shelves, the publication date suddenly got pushed back to April 28th of 2020. Um, so, you know, what gives? Um, now, uh, for a lot of, of, of particularly art books, uh, you know, the your typical coffee table book, which... These days, um, to save costs, a lot of publishers publish them overseas, particularly in China. And given the tariff situation, um, I, a lot of the books had trouble getting uh, into the States on the original delivery dates. Um, but sometimes, on the other hand, a publication date will get changed because, you know, for example, an art of book for a film um because the people who've made the movie want to keep information under wraps for a while i mean case in point the the art of uh star wars episode nine the rise of skywalker um that that book was originally supposed to show up uh abrams is publishing that that was supposed to show up on december 18th two days before that jj abram movie showed up in theaters but then on december 10th abrams announced that uh, they were pushing back the publication of The Art of Star Wars Rise of Skywalker till the spring of 2020, specifically uh, March 31st of, of this year. And that was supposedly done at Disney's request because they didn't want certain spoilers, you know, <laughs> Palpatine, um, to, to, right. to, to get out early. Um, so what does this have to do with the art of uh, dark horses art of uh, star Wars rebels book? I mean, you, you can't spoil the story of a show that screened its last episode back in March of 2018. Right, Dan. That's right. 
That is certainly um, right. I, I was there in the room. Well, I mean, you know, again, four wonderful seasons, great storytelling. But the, again, the story of Ezra Bridger and the, the crew of the ghost, it's over, right? Uh, <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> well, this is, think about it. This is exactly what fans of Star Wars, the Clone Wars animated series thought. Uh, that the last set of that episode of that show had, you know, once they became available for streaming on Netflix back in March of 2014, that show was over. Uh, but then came the announcement in uh, San Diego Comic-Con uh, back July of 2018 that Clone Wars would return for a seventh season on Disney Plus, 12 brand new episodes. Uh, by the way, that, that that's um, there. We've actually got a date of when they're going to start streaming, Dan. That's February 17th next month. Um, and you saw the trailer for, for the new stuff uh, at Star Wars Celebration last April, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was there. And didn't anything particularly leap out at you at that point, or uh, there really wasn't anything uh, new or groundbreaking in that, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But didn't now correct me if I'm wrong. Were you in San Diego to catch when they did the sort of bait and switch there, where you know people thought they were watching a retrospective and suddenly there was new footage in it? Yeah, it just like I just mentioned a few seconds ago, I was definitely in that room, and it was. Uh, one of the most electric Star Wars experiences I've ever had. Oh, that, that's, I, I, again, I cannot wait for this show to come back. And, and um, but, but I bring the Clone Wars situation up in, in relation to the delay of the publication of the Outer Star Wars Rebels because of something that a friend who's working at Disney Television and Animation told me which is basically that Lucasfilm Animation, which is right now putting the finishing touches on those 12 episodes that it's producing for Disney Plus of Star Wars Clone Wars, is looking to keep the Clone Wars production team together, which is why they're reportedly exploring the idea of reviving Star Wars Rebels. Um, Which, if you think about it, if you think about how that last episode ended, where you had Ahsoka Tana and Sabine getting ready to head off into the what the unknown regions in yeah, search of Ezra, outer outer rims in search of Ezra, yeah. and uh, and um, a certain blue skinned moth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the thinking is that, that that there's still a lot of meat left on that bone. There's a lot of Star Wars related stories to tell. But 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 what's fascinating to me is that supposedly um, Kevin Feige. Uh, remember, Kevin has is supposedly been tasked with developing a, a, a Star Wars film, uh, and and remember, this is the guy who makes you know all the movies for Marvel, and you know, it, in fact, I think you and I discussed Dan that that you know, in fact, you were not happy when I shared the rumor that he had supposedly reached out to Samuel to, uh, L. Jackson about coming back to do Mace Windu? No, I, Mace Windu, like Uncle Ben, needs to stay where he is. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, okay. I mean, honestly, at some point, there is no peril. There is no no real threat of loss. Uh, and mm-hmm. then there's no drama if everyone comes back. No, no, no. I agree with that. I, 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 I get that. But but the interesting thing is again, you know, working my trap line and, and talking with friends at, at at Marvel to see if anybody had anything about Kevin and his Star Wars project, and it's like, well, yeah, you know, he still wants Samuel involved in it, but 
as a supporting character because he, you know evidently what kevin has really kind of focused in on is the notion of he wants to do something with ahsoka tana uh and with a particular eye toward brie larson uh, you know just with the notion of well here's a woman who's carried a billion dollar film for the studio captain marvel last year uh and you know wouldn't it be smart and you know more to the point you know, it, it, the hook is she already worked with you know, Samuel L. Jackson in that film. You know, uh, you know, he played Nick Fury. And, you know, wouldn't it be fun, you know, there's kind of a funhouse mirror thing to have them paired yet again in, you know, but in the Star Wars project. Um, I, I, now, just to sort of caution, you know, that I, I want to be clear here. This is just speculation, a lot of talk at this point. Uh, more to the point, evidently Disney, having looked at the, what is it, $1.2 billion that Captain Marvel made, uh, you know, last February thereabouts, uh, they would really like, you know, if it, it's all the same to Disney, they'd like Captain Marvel 2. Uh, and more to the point, uh, you know, Bob Iger has just talked about how, uh, on the heels of the rise of Skywalker that he'd like to let the star Wars film franchise rest for a bit. So those movies become special again. I will. Um, I love that. I've always loved that idea as you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's just going to be interesting going forward. Uh, now in regard to the star Wars rebels uh, animated series revival, again, the book, the, the, the art of book hits store shelves on April 28th. But we may not have to wait till then to to get word about this, you know, possible continuation of the series. Um, I'm being told that WonderCon is being held in Anaheim this year, April 10th through the 12th, and that Disney Plus is planning on holding a Star Wars Clone Wars panel at that event. And that kind of in the spirit of what happened at San Diego Comic-Con, uh, when they, they ran that, you know, uh, that footage suddenly revealed new, uh, you know, Clone War footage that, you know, that the, I, I guess, again, if you're a Star Wars animation fan, this is probably a panel you don't want to miss, not just because evidently they're going to show, uh, you know, an episode that hasn't been shown yet of, of Clone Wars, but also because, uh, you know, that, that, that there may be some Rebels news coming out of this panel. So wow, um, and that's Easter weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, now, now speaking of, of Star Wars Rebels, all right. So you've you've seen the film four times now. Yes. Did did I hear correctly that that in that scene where you know, uh, and again, I, I apologize, folks. We're, we're going to get into spoilers here. Uh, but when Ray is sort of gathering her strength, uh, and we hear sort of every Jedi known to man. Was that really Freddie Prince in, in there as Kanan Jarrus? It was. It absolutely was. Wow. Tremendous. Okay. Yeah, tremendous. I don't know. I, I just love And you heard Ahsoka bit. Tano, too. That's why. We did. We yeah, did. Oh, which, <laughs> again, you know, and again, not to get into spoilers here, but, but that means she's dead, right? Uh, well, actually, Dave addressed that uh, around Christmas time. He drew a picture of her with Gandalf, and it said, no, and it says like no one's ever really gone. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't love know. that. I yeah. love that. I love Dave. Okay, we'll tell you what, folks. When we get back from this commercial break, 
I, it's finally going to happen. You know, Dan and I are going to do the deep, deep dive on uh, Star Wars Rise of the, oh, excuse me, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. And we're back. Um, all right. Now, now Dan, on, on our last show, we kind of danced around it because we, we we were trying to be kind to folks who hadn't seen the film yet and, mm -hmm. you know, speaking in, in somewhat vagueish terms about this J.J. Abrams film. But I, I just want to warn folks that, that we're getting into spoiler country here. Um, but you were pretty upfront when we talked last time around about how you liked um, Rise of Skywalker, but you didn't necessarily love it. That's correct. I still feel that way too. Okay. Um, in and fact, I, if I, I were to rate the nine Skywalker films, it would probably mm -hmm. be in my bottom three. Really? Yeah. And and what would the other two in the bottom three be? Oh, probably Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. But to be fair, uh, yeah. I still love them. I mean, mm -hmm. a, a, a movie that a Star Wars movie that's not as strong as like pizza, even when it's not great, it's better than anything else. Well, I, I I love that you use the a kind of a food analogy because the, the same thing. I I I I, I liked a lot of uh, Rise of Skywalker. Didn't necessarily love it. I I on the other hand, instead of pizza, I would I'd go for the 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 buffet analogy. That you know, it, it was quite possible to watch this movie and go, oh, I really like that, or and I don't care for this, but I really like that. Um, and I, I kept finding, you know, that that was my experience, that, that there'd be, you know, a particularly wonderful scene. Uh, well, yes. first and foremost, I, I think one of the things we have to acknowledge about what they did right mm -hmm. is, you know, how many scenes they had or, or how many you know, vignettes in the film that had Ray and Poe and Finn working together. And it was, you know, that was nice. Yeah, and because Daisy Ridley, John Biega, and Chris, uh, Oscar Isaac have such great chemistry and obviously enjoy each other's company, it really it, it lifted a lot of scenes. It made them a lot of fun. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, strictly from, you know, a, a storytelling point of view, uh, you know, again, look, you know, kind of from <laughs> The Force Awakens, you knew that, you know, especially if you paid attention during the original trilogy, you knew that Ben Solo was going to eventually be redeemed. Um, but I, I have to admit, I, I enjoyed how it was handled. The amazing uh, thing to me about this entire film is that uh, I was quite staunch in my uh, proclamation that he shouldn't be redeemed. He didn't show any signs, and I guess to be fair, neither did Vader, except for maybe mm -hmm. a little bit at the end of The Empire Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't expect that it would happen. And I didn't expect that if it did, that I would like it. As mm -hmm. it turns out, I loved it. And mm -hmm. this was my favorite Adam Driver uh, performance of the entire sequel trilogy. I thought that part worked uh, almost to perfection. Oh, no. The, 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 and, and in fact, you know, I especially loved the, you know, the, the, the way the appearance of your good, close personal friend Harrison Ford was handled. I did. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, no, did. I just, I, 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 in fact, I, I love the callback there with, you know, uh, you know, to, to classic Han Solo with, I know, uh, oh, wow. I know. I just got goosebumps when you said that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, true. it was, it, and, you know, and, and Beautiful. actually you talked about it on the last show about, uh, the Carrie Fisher scenes and how were they phenomenal? Just a were... feat of storytelling and, and ILM magic. Yeah, I just, it, 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 you know, uh, it, it, to be honest, 
as a cinematic sleight of hand, you know, that again, when you think about how somebody sat in an editing room and, you know, found, you know, I guess they had eight minutes of footage, you know, and, but found the eight line and more to the point, not just the lines, the, the line readings, the, the, the looks, you know, that sort of thing to make them work. And I, I think for me, it only came undone with, with Leia's death. Um, I, I think oddly enough, the moment that should have been the most powerful was the weakest. Cause frankly, I, I don't think they had the imagery to back up what they were trying to do. Um, really? you know, so yeah, I, I thought, I thought that was actually, I know what you're saying. It did seem a bit abrupt, yep. like, I guess. Cause I thought because they were moving so smoothly with all of her footage, I thought, well, maybe they're just not going to address it and she's just going to be there. And I would have been so happy with that. In fact, before mm-hmm. the movie, my wife and my brother-in-law and I were all talking about that. And then mm-hmm. she did. But what mm-hmm. I thought was rather poignant is mm-hmm. that they have her her body there. And it doesn't mm-hmm. actually disappear until Ben's does at the end. And the fact that it affected me emotionally as much as it did is phenomenal. Especially when you consider that Adam Driver and Carrie Fisher shared 0.0 moments on screen together in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. And it still was able to elicit pathos, which I thought was was pretty impressive. No, I agree. I agree. And, and, you know, and, and also we have to talk about the amazing production values, you know, that, that, I mean, huge sets. I, and I loved, uh, how, how, how many of the, the creatures and the characters were done practically, uh, you know, Neil Scanlon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, you know, I, I know this is kind of a controversial aspect, of Rise of Skywalker, but I even enjoyed a lot of the fan service. I mean, it's like when, when Maz gave Chewie the medal, you know, it's like I get, okay, that, that that's a little ham-handed, you know, but on the other hand, it is a callback all the way to the New Hope, and we're, we're finally writing a wrong, you know, that was made back in 77. And you know uh, what? Interestingly enough, when I first saw that sequence, it didn't occur to me that he was finally getting his medal I thought it was more symbolic that he was having that he had Hans medal. That was what I thought was powerful. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, but that, but okay. I haven't heard anyone really say that, but that's just the part that it grabbed me. Okay. And I, you know, I, it, it, even at the same time, I loved, you know, when, when Ray goes back to Tatooine and is there at, at you know, uh, uncle Owen and aunt Baru's, you know, house and it, the way she gains interest is once again, she slides down on a piece of metal you know, right. the, the call, call back to the first film. I mean, it just, I, I like that. And also I, showing I, that she still has that childlike innocence and joy that the emperor was not able to snuff out of her, was the, which is very nice. This is true. So, I, again, I, I, I apologize here again for the, the buffet analogy. But again, it, there were a lot of, there were enough really great, you know, little moments and big set pieces. I mean, uh, I, I thought on. Billy D. Williams was wonderful. I, I have to admit, but but it's same, it's interesting you bring up Billy D. Williams because again I have here um, the what is it the Star a Colt forty five hmm? a Colt forty five <laughs> what did I did no I, I actually I've got a, a mango iced tea sitting here but I also have a copy of the Star Wars uh, Rise of Skywalker visual dictionary that DK put together oh the Pablo and, wrote. Okay, so you just talked about uh, Lando. 
Yep. And like, if you turn to page 108 in this thing, they talk about the hermit. Uh, and listen to this description here of the, the hermit character. All right. The disassonance of Passan can bury many a painful past, or so thought the hermit would begin his solitude there. Personal tragedy and the failure to find answers to, on an arduous quest have led him to reside on this arid world. Now, I, you know, it, it's yeah, I, I find right. that frustrating. Uh, that's the thing that that you know, if you if you read the support material for this thing. Uh, and what is the name of her character again? Holly. Um, oh, are you, you're talking about, oh, Jana, uh, Jana. Yeah. Jana. Jana. Mm-hmm. In fact, that, that's the other thing that, that, that moment that kind of frustrated me in, in that last 10 minutes, which by the way, again, you, you were right, you know, very enjoyable last time, you know, strong last 10 minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. but that, that little bit of dialogue between Lando and Jana about you know uh you know where are you from i don't know well let's find out and you know just what's inferred is that this is lando's long lost daughter and if that is in fact true and if we also presuppose that the the visual guy which is canonical i mean pablo wrote it so it's canonical Mm -hmm. um if if that's why he's exiled uh, is he going to be that laid? Is he going to be that laid back if that's actually his daughter in front of him and he he was so upset i mean come on I, i just I'm really disappointed in that. That's one of the few missteps I feel like Lucasfilm has done with uh, Star Wars since they since Disney purchased it. Mm, I, I, I would agree, but it, it's just weak. It, speaking of, of missteps, and and again, I apologize because to to attack this point, really, I mean, literally, it's the the the, the first three words of of this, you know, the crawl of this film, the dead, the dead speak. They did. You know, but the, to have the emperor return, I, I'm sorry, mm, but for yeah. me, that just totally negates the, the the Darth Vader sacrifice back in Return of the Jedi. I mean, I've been thinking you know, about that, that had, a lot. You know, that had weight, that had consequence, and and the notion of you know what they were, you know, in the 15 seconds before. <laughs> The 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 Death Star built. Somebody was down there with a spatula. You know, it's just how... uh, yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm 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 going to assume mm-hmm. that this is a clone. I, okay. I mean, no one said that. There's, if you'll notice, I'm sure you mm-hmm. did. In the visual guide, there's zero mention of the Emperor. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of important too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I don't know if it negates Vader's sacrifice because he's still. Whether the emperor, I mean, this is kind of redactive anyway, but whether he knew the emperor was going to die or not, he still gave his life to save his son. So that mm-hmm. that's still intact. No, but I, think, I could have like, done. But the thing about the emperor that bothers me mm-hmm. is who his granddaughter is. That's yeah. the part that I'm still not uh, crazy about. And this is the first Star Wars movie where I've had uh, challenges with not the story, but how it is told. That's mm-hmm. the part that kind of bothers me, and that's why I've said this is the least. J.J. Abrams movie of all the J.J. Abrams movies that I've ever seen, because I just mm-hmm. don't feel like that's not tightly constructed enough. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to get up super upset about it, but and maybe something will happen later that will make it click for me. But mm-hmm. it, quite honestly, it shouldn't have to. The story should the movie should stay, speak for itself. Mm-hmm. Well, and and while you know we're, we're we're talking about problematic aspects of this thing, it's like. The giant final order fleet, each of 
these huge ships outfitted with planet killer technology or, or for that matter, the stadium filled with Sith worshipers who were there to see, you know, and it's, it's one of these things where it's like overkill doesn't really even begin to kind of describe this. It's just sort Mm -hmm. of like, you know, um, it's too much. It's like a Drew Taylor joke. It's just too much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's speaking of, of, of too much. Okay. Okay, it, it's 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 the the last half hour of the last Jedi, and you know that they're 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 inside mm-hmm. of that that abandoned mining crate, and the steel door is closed, and Leia puts out the call for help, and nobody comes. And now, <laughs> but we now switch to uh, the rise of Skywalker and Lando again, the Hermit, who's been in isolation supposedly because of his, you know, he lost his daughter or, or whatever. All right, he puts out the call, and every spaceship on, you know, again, you know, just that line from the movie. They, they don't have a navy. It's it's not a navy. It's just people. But it's 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 thousands of people. Um, did you buy into that at all? Uh, you know, I, I've thought about that one a lot too. I will say that in the novel resistance reborn, mm-hmm. they do address why no one shows up at the end of the last Jedi. Okay. Uh, so that helps. Uh, and I, and because a year has gone on between the last Jedi and mm-hmm. the rise of Skywalker, it stands to reason with all the things that they've done in, at least in the books, that book and the comics, there's actually a junior, a junior novelization or a, you know, like a young adult novel as well. Um, Spark of the Resistance, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, those those books sort of show how Leia and Ray and everyone's been going all over the galaxy trying to get people. So in my mind, in the course of a year, they've had time to get frustrated and get courageous and just be ready to take action. Whereas at the end of Last Jedi, I mean, it was the 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 first order was at the peak of its powers. The challenge mm-hmm. for me about that is more that we spent all this time getting invested in the first order and how dangerous they are. And all of a sudden they're mm-hmm. actually not important or relevant. It's actually uh, the final order. That's the big deal. And and suddenly everybody who's been underwater has really nice pressed black and red costumes. <laughs> that's more confusing to me. And unless like they've just been recruiting and they suddenly showed up. I, I mean, that's, I guess that makes sense. But if you try too hard to find logic in star Wars or fictional movies, you're, you're just, you're going to go down. No, no, no. It's I, 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 I I get that. You know, yeah. the, again, you, you have to remember the source material and George was, you know, I mean, right up front about that, you know, the Buck Rogers serials from the 1930s, you know, that, 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 you know, so it's again, and nobody's sitting about, you know, the, you know, Ming, the merciless would never have worn a jetpack. What are you talking about? Yeah, you know, yeah. just to, to you, but, um, okay. Uh, a couple other things. Um, Did that bug you too? The fact that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, oh wait, the fir- the first order, uh, doesn't matter. It's actually, you know what I mean. Like, the, yeah, the, I mean, what's the point of of being invested in these bad guys if they're suddenly not relevant? Well, I think, and to sort of connect this to another thing that kind of bugged me. It, again, in that last ten minutes, I mean, don't get me wrong. Always great to see Warwick Davis, and you know, just you know, in fact, was that his son also playing the other uh, that you want? I, I think so. I believe okay. so. Yeah. So you know, love that. But the notion that we're—it was actually seeing... Drew, and he wasn't kneeling. That's just how... <laughs> He's just short. <laughs> but but I I didn't understand why is it that okay if this is happening on Exegol okay this is happening on Exegol, 
But why are we cutting away to these other star destroyers falling out of the sky that, well, first of all, aren't part of the the the, the final order? They're they're first order, and it's like, but it, but again, it, at this point, it's like it, at this point in the film, if you're really being tripped up by story logic, you know, and you know, but it's, just, it's like that, like you said in the last show. I mean, mm-hmm. if you show a gun in the first act, you gotta, it has to fire, and you know, I agree, I agree. And and uh, so there's like, there's just not a lot of context, and that is saying yeah. something when you consider that in Star Wars, there's a number of references throughout these these movies mm-hmm. that refer to things that we never see on screen and are never referred to again. It yep. just gives depth and breadth to the mythology, and it works. And if you can't make it work in that. Sort of archetype then you've got uh some story challenges well and and uh, you know it, it, it look I, I you of all people i don't need to to, to talk or, or explain anything to you about story inconsistency it's sort of like you know uh you know what the what is it the line of new hope or, or the, the, when ben's talking to luca but i knew your father you know and you know that you get and the whole notion of you know, you lied to me about my father. And it's like, well, you know, the, the truth is, you know, the way you depend on it. I bring that up because, again, mm. according to this movie, Luke and Leia knew about Palpatine this whole time and never mentioned it to Ray. You know? Yeah. Um, that actually, you know what? I never thought about it from that context until you just mentioned that. But it is very similar to what Obi-Wan did. And, yeah. and you know, as, as parents, I think I can understand why you'd protect them from such a horrific thing. I, I I get that I do, mm-hmm. um, but but, but it is then challenging. There are, <laughs> then there are complications just for complications like C three PO can read Sith, but his programming prevents him from from you know it's it's just sort of like really with oh the, I like with, that I kind of like that but I, I, but I but I didn't really need um I've already got enough cute little Star Wars things I'm Babu Frick is adorable but come on it, it's all a child for me yeah yeah. Okay. Well, let's I, I talk guess... about Rose. Let's talk about Rose. Or rather the lack of Rose. Well, you know, but the the weird thing of it is, is that, again, you and I having talked about, you know, the Rose situation on the last show, I was actually surprised that Rose did have as much to do in the, I mean, you know, if you, yes, if we're talking about sheer line count, you know, she certainly didn't have, uh, you know, the sort of, you know, right up front, dead center role that she did in uh, The Last Jedi. But if we're talking about, you know, uh, group shots or that sort of thing, I mean, she's definitely part of the team there at the base. And, you know, the one, and, and they kept circling back and, you know, you know, meeting up to, you know, for various story points. But, but yeah, it's... Uh, and, and I, I, I say this again, having just watched uh, the Last Jedi before heading out to see the Rise of Skywalker, and um, yeah, I, you know, it was great to see Finn and Poe and Ray together, but I, I did miss Rose, uh, and it just it felt strange that she had such a you know a, a, a small part in such a big film. No, I know. I it's I was disappointed. I actually said to her at the premiere, mm-hmm. "I wish you were in it more." Mm-hmm. And she just smiled, and she was so insanely gracious that you would never know. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I think that was disappointing, especially because they went out of their way to build up 
her value in in this movie. Now, Star Wars is full again of of major characters that don't always have big things to do in all the movies, but I mean, she really was relegated to behind the scenes. And apparently, and I'm sure you've read all the things I have, mm-hmm. and definitely probably more. Um, but a lot of her scenes were with were intended to be with Leia, and mm-hmm. those scenes didn't work because of the footage they had. So that they are mm-hmm. claiming that's why she wasn't in it more. Got it. Got it. And and speaking of, you know, you you build up a character and then you don't do anything with it. I mean, think think about how long, say, as far out as the Force Awakens, we've been talking about the Knights of of of, of Rin. You know, uh, you know the the you know supposedly this formidable fighting force and. You know, finally in this film, we kind of get to see them in action. And what? They they load Chewie on a transport. You know, they stand on top of a butte. And then, you know, the, the, then Ben Solo kicks their butt. Um, you know. Have you I, filmed yourself doing the Ben Solo challenge yet? <laughs> what is the Ben Solo challenge? Oh, you haven't seen? Oh, you've got to look it up after the show. It's people... Um, there's all kinds of videos that are getting, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of views of people doing that wonderful moment where Ray puts the saber behind her back and then puts oh. her hands up. And then all of a sudden Ben has it and he kind of does this shrug like like Harrison would do. Yep. And and then he starts to attack. So everyone is doing this. It's it's um, caused quite a sensation. Just look for oh, Ben's will, little challenge. I, it's great. I will have to chase this down. Hold One quick down. thing before we wrap up. I will say... Mm-hmm. Um, that while there are certainly a lot of things that didn't work for me, uh, there are certain moments that are great. The Harrison moment you talked about is is one of my favorites in all of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I thought it was wonderful and, and just perfectly emotional in every way. Uh, kind of like Ben rectifying what happened and riding mm-hmm. the ship in his own mind. Yep. But maybe uh, paramount to all of that is I think this is John Williams's best score of the sequel trilogy. It's wonderful. Yeah, you know, I have to admit, you know, that that there would. You know, and and what I loved, you know, for example, you, you know that moment when Ray was on the the crash Death Star and had made it to the Emperor's throne room, and yeah, just that little, you know, and again, it just it it just gave you some some idea of what this this body of work meant when yes. there was just that little, you know, phrasing from the Darth Vader march, I want to say. Imperial march, yep. The Imperial march, yeah. And, and then that, from the throne room sequence in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. I just sort of, and again, it was just sort of like, I love, and, and let's, let's also be clear here that, you know, in a lot of ways, what J.J. Abrams was attempting to do was impossible. You know, this is, this was yeah. to be the ninth, film to cap the star Wars or the, the the skywalker saga and you know that that there was no way he was going to make everybody happy there was no way you know he was going to be able to hit you know every note that every fan wanted um but again there's you know given how much you and i have just criticized this film the fact that I will still be going out to see this thing in theaters again. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I was talking with Nancy in the car on the way home. I'm very much looking forward to getting the Blu-ray, the DVR, so I can, you know, for example, the sequence we were talking about, about uh, Canon Jarrus. I, wa- I want the closed captioning so they can identify each of the Jedi that oh, are talking to her That'll be in fun. sequence, you know? 
Yeah, I huh. think that I think that will be great. Yeah, no, I I mean, this is I think this is a good what you and I just did was a healthy example mm-hmm. of how to uh, disagree uh, mm-hmm. with certain key points in a story or a film or a concept, but still be civil and um you know, try to find pearls because there are plenty of them. I think, I think I really know, no, 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 people get this, so wrapped up in the negative stuff, but we're not being negative. We're just saying, look, this didn't work for us, but that mm-hmm. that's actually healthy. Again, intellectual honesty and critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Those are very healthy ways to discuss. And I, and I, I'm, I'm proud of us. I thought we handled that pretty well. <laughs> well, good. And again, I, I love that you use the term pearls. Cause again, if I, I, I would describing this film in the end, it is a necklace. I mean, just that there's enough entertainment here that I, I, you know, I, I felt like, you know, I, I went out, you know, got to theater. I had a good time and I'm going back to see it again. Yeah. I wouldn't um, have seen it four times if I didn't love it. They're just, yeah. I mean, there's, there's certain things that are, that are quite great. And uh, the last thing with Ray and, the, and her new lightsaber is wonderful. The, the only problem for me, uh, yes, it is daunting to end the Skywalker saga, but then you think about Endgame and you realize, no, it's actually not impossible. You can actually hit a grand slam. You can uh, with it. And uh, when I when it was over, I I didn't feel like, oh gosh, it's really over. At the end of Jedi, I felt it was over. At the end of Revenge of the Sith, I felt like it was really over. Mm-hmm. At this, I just felt like it was the end of a season. I'm really, I really just felt like it was the end of a season. Yeah, and I I have to say that that me personally, I I don't think any of the the third films of any of the trilogies have completely knocked it out of the park you know the, oh i the, think revenge of the sith did i think that's shakespearean well it's it, you see but that's the thing i i my problem is i once had uh i can't tell you the storyboard artist but he had been hired by lucasfilm to board uh you know they, they and there were so many different versions of the end of um you know uh, the the revenge of the sith but he he talked about you know there was this he it, it, again i always had in my head the image that he described of you know uh you know uh, you know uh obi-wan delivering the the baby to uh you know uh, uncle owen and Aparu. but the, the scene that you don't get to see is you know literally ben destroying his ship and you know, and putting on you know, and uh, you know the cowl of the robe that we see him in in the oh, movie, cool. and disappearing into a sandstorm. You know, the notion of that he's oh. you know he's stepping away, he's going to hide, and it was, and that was the thing. I mean, I, I'm sorry that you know the, that's the danger of when you talk to these people and they they sit there and they you know they they're so enthusiastic about what they do. Uh, and you know he, he described it so vividly. It's like, oh man, I can't wait to see that in the movie. And when it just ended on you know Baru and Owen with the baby and the, the sons, is like, oh. Um, but wow, well maybe that's how the Disney Plus uh, Obi One series will end. That could well be. That could that'd be pretty well cool. Be. Well, uh, uh, and, and speaking of which, folks, uh, you know that that's also gearing up production. So this will be something. That, that Dan and I will be talking about, you know, further as we head into 2020. But uh, until we do, we get the next looking at Lucasfilm out the door here, folks. Um, Dan, where where else can they find you online now? Because, again, you, you've you just done an interesting repositioning of the whole, uh, what is it, the Dan Z Media Empire, right? Yeah, yeah. We uh, I have... Um... I've got a new business venture. It is danzmedia.com. It is 
where if you are starting a podcast or a blog or you have one and you just want to help uh, find ways to build your brand, you can certainly contact me. Happy to set up a consultation. I'm also doing a lot more public speaking, which is one of my great loves. So whether you have want to motivate your school, your students, your your teachers, your administrators, corporates, uh, you know, executives, whatever you want to do, I'm happy to come out and speak uh, to anybody about different things. I've got about six or seven talks out there that you can check out. And of course, you can find me on Coffee with Kenobi each and every week. We certainly are talking a lot about the Rise of Skywalker, as well as the Mandalorian, doing a lot of live events, especially recently. And we have a Patreon page. You can hear an exclusive weekly podcast where we look at popular culture. Wow. But I, again, that, that, that's, it. that's an intriguing thing you've got up out of the ground there. And we're going to be interesting to see what happens there. Thank you. You just sound like the emperor at the end of episode one to Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> we watch your career with great interest. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I, I, I hope I have get a better skin tone. You um, do. You're much I'll, more trustworthy and good. <laughs> That's your mistake, Dan. Okay. <laughs> and, all right. And I got over here at Jim Hill Media. We have a bunch of uh, podcasts as well. We've got uh, Disney Dish with Lentesto. We've got uh, Fine Tuning with uh, interesting character Drew Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a uh, Universal Joint with uh, Dustin Fuse. We have uh, the Marvel Us Disney with uh, Aaron Adams, where we talk about everything that's going on with Marvel. And we very soon we just recorded it a, a brand new episode of I Want That with Michelle Viadoli. It will be out there. So uh, tell you what. Uh, folks, if you could do uh, a favor for Dan and myself, if you get over to iTunes and rate and recommend not only this show, but also Coffee with Kenobi, that would be very helpful. Uh, and if you like what you heard here tonight, uh, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, uh, well, that, that's what makes it possible to buy copies of The Art of Star Wars Rebels. So, you know, if, we'll be talking about that one in a further show, but. I guess for now, Dan, um, well, I, I, I'll, I guess I'll see you in line, you know, when we both go, you to see, you know, Rise of Skywalker for the fifth time and me for, for number two. So I love it. I'll get the popcorn. Okay, cool. <laughs> Till then, folks, you folks take care, all right?